Hey, good morning and welcome to Victory Church Online. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And I want to start off, first of all, by welcoming all of our Victory Church family, as well as welcoming any of you that may be visiting uh, for the first time. Maybe you saw us scrolling on your timeline, Facebook or Instagram. And I just want to say welcome. It's such a privilege that you would choose to worship with us this morning. Normally, we meet at Rock Springs Middle School uh, right here in Smyrna, Tennessee, 930 every Sunday morning. And so again, it's just such a privilege to have you join with us. I do want to take just a second and I want to celebrate our church and I want to thank our church um, because of your faithfulness in your giving. We were able this week, check this out, to provide 4,000 meals to Second Harvest Food Bank. 4,000 meals because of your faithfulness in giving we took your money and we turned around and said hey how can we put it back in our to, in our community how can we help those that are in need so any family uh, in rutherford county of course but certainly in smyrna that's been impacted by covid 19 if they need groceries and they need food they can go to second harvest food bank and they can find that because of you so again thank you again for thousand meals were provided because of your faithfulness. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Um, It's so fitting that we would do that in this time, because if you were with us Easter Sunday, we we started a series called Pass the Podium. And in this series, it's all about how the church has not been canceled, but the church has been commissioned and how more than ever. Listen, we've always said that the church is not a building, that, that we are the church. But more than ever before, uh, that we're seeing that in action as people are being Christ on Facebook and they're being Christ on Instagram and they're meeting in Zoom meetings and they're outreaching and meeting needs. More than ever, the church has been mobilized. And so this whole series, Past the Podium, is how no longer is church about us coming in and sitting in a pew and learning, but it's taking what we're learning and living it out and impacting the people around us. As a matter of fact, I said it like this. I believe that the next great revival will not come through sermon. It won't come through song, but it's going to come through the ordinary Christian winning those in their inner circle to Christ. And so I think that's so important. But but now the question is, how do we do that? We spent all last Sunday showing you that Jesus has told us to do it. But now, how do we do it? See, As a Christ follower, my number one responsibility is to share the gospel with those that are around me. But as your pastor, it's my responsibility to teach you how to do the same thing. So watch this. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 11 through 13. Here's what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Here's why he gave them. He gave them to the the, the body of the church, and here's why he gave them to them. To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Jesus gave pastors and teachers, he gave leaders of the church to the church to equip them so that they could turn around and be the church. So my responsibility as a Christ follower is to share the gospel with those in my circle. But my responsibility as your pastor is to equip you to do the same thing. And so that's what I want to do. I just want to take a few moments this morning as well as the next couple of weeks and talk about how 
we become the mobilized church, how we share the gospel with those that are around us. So here we go. Do me a favor. I want you to say the title of today's sermon. All right. So look at the person beside you. We do this as a church all the time. Look at the person who's in the room with you. Again, if you're by yourself, roll your window down, screaming out loud. Here we go. You ready? Tell them, teach me how to fish. The title of today's message, teach me how to fish. I've always wanted to be uh, an outdoorsman type. I've always thought fishing sounded cool. I've always thought hunting sounded cool. Um, I always thought it would be peaceful. And so anytime somebody had ever asked me, hey, do you, know, you want to fish? Hey, do you want to hunt? I've always said, yeah, let's do it. But then when they would actually you know, get around to it happening and they'd tell me that we'd have to be outside with it being 10 degrees or I'd have to meet them at two o'clock in the morning, I'd always back out because I, don't, I didn't even know there were two threes and two twos on a clock. And so I'd always be asleep, but you know, so I always wanted to do it, but I never could quite, you know, get it together to do it. But when I was about 10 years old, we had some family friends take my sister and me out to a particular lake so that we could go fishing. And so we get there, we get to the lake and you know, the, the husband of the couple goes with me and the wife goes with my sister and they're getting us, my sister's on one side of the lake, I'm on the other side of the lake, and, and they're getting us, you know, and teaching us how to fish. And so they taught us how to put the worm on the hook and, you know, how to cast it out and everything. And then they left us alone for an hour or so and let us fish. And they went back in the house or whatever. And so we're sitting there, hour or so goes by, and I have caught zero fish, not, not one fish. And so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing what everybody does. I go, I, I guess the fish just aren't biting today, right? You know, it's just some, something's obviously wrong with this lake. And so again, the hour or so passes and the husband comes down and he says, hey, how you doing? And I said, man, I've, I caught no fish. And he's like, hey, that's okay. No big deal. And so we pack all the stuff up and we're walking around the corner and I'm telling him, I'm like, man, you know, fish just aren't biting today, I guess. You know, I mean, I guess maybe there's something wrong with your lake. And as we turn the corner, there's my sister and she, her first time fishing has caught 27 fish. 27 fish. I mean, like, you know, it just, just blew everything up for me. And I instantly became frustrated because number one, my sister beat me, which nobody likes that. But I guess my biggest frustration was I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to catch fish. Like I knew that was what I wanted to do, but I just didn't know how to do it. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. And I think if we were honest as Christ followers, if we were just to say, Hey, look, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't know how to do it. And I think really that's a lot of our frustration. Like we know what we're supposed to do. We know we want to minister to all the people around us. We know we want to share the gospel with those in our inner circle, but we just aren't sure how to do it. Even with this past the podium uh, you know, concept, like we're passionate about it. We believe in it. We, we want to be the church, but we just aren't sure how to be the church. And so I just want to take today and I want to take the next couple of weeks and I want to lay out for us some really practical steps on how to be the church. How do I share my testimony? How do I share the gospel? How do I minister to those that are in my circle? And the way we're going to do it is we're just going to look at some ordinary people in the Bible and how God took ordinary people and gave them certain steps and, and processes 
and they were able to use those steps and they were able to impact maybe one person or multiple people that were around them for the glory of God. So we're going to start today with Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, feel free to Google it. And if you don't want to do either one of those, it'll be on the screen with me. You can just follow along. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 17. And we're going to read just a couple of verses. So Luke 5, 17. And it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were all sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men, right? So we don't even get the name, just some men. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. What's so cool about this group of men, and we don't even get their names, but they're literally about to show us not so much the language of how to share the gospel, but the logistics of how we can win those that are around us to Christ. So here we go. Number one is this. If we're going to win those that are around us to Christ, it starts with this. Number one, we have to commit our time. If we're going to share the gospel with the people that God has put around us, it starts with us committing our time. Put yourself in this situation and see what I mean. Okay, we don't even have real evidence that these men were friends with this paralyzed guy. He could have been a neighbor. He could have been a co-worker. He could have been somebody they just see on the street every day. But they committed their time to pick him up and to carry him to Jesus. Now, now that alone is a miracle. If you've ever had to carry anything anywhere. The other day I was running around our neighborhood and I wanted to swing by Publix and get some, some, uh, a case of water bottles. And I thought, oh man, I'll just carry them home and it'll be extra exercise. It almost killed me. And so I can't even imagine carrying a grown man, but they committed to carrying him to Jesus. Now that alone was a miracle. But watch this. Once they get there, they run into some opposition, right? The place is crowded. People are flooding out of the doors. It's impossible to get to Jesus. It could take hours. If they're going to sit there with this man, it could literally take the whole day, maybe multiple days to be able to get him to Jesus. These guys would have been completely justified to just put him on the ground and say, hey, we got you here, right? Like, like we, we were committed. We committed a little bit of our time. We said we'd get you to Jesus. We got you here. But, you know, we didn't plan for it to be this crowded. And, we, you know, we've got other things going on. Can you imagine if they would have had other stuff on their calendar? It's like, man, hey, I was going to give you, you know, till three, but I got a meeting at 3.30. I've got to get to, right? They would have been justified in that. But instead, they took him. They carried him up the side of the house. They created a hole in the roof and then they lowered him right in front of Jesus. These men had committed their time to seeing this man meet Jesus. Listen to me right off the bat. If you and I are going to share the gospel with those that God has put around us, we need to quit focusing so much on technique and we need to start focusing on time. More than you could ever worry about, well, is the technique right? Don't worry about that. Start with, is the time set aside for it? 
Okay, because again, the best way to share the gospel, the best way to show anybody love, the best way to minister to those around you is going to start with you giving them your time as a priority. I remember when I was in school in English class and we were kind of learning how to write an essay and different things like that. And the teacher would always stress to me the importance of margin, right? And so she would always talk about, you need to leave some space over here. And for me, you know, let's be honest, the space was for her to be able to write all the things that I had done wrong. But she was always pressing, you know, you need space, you need margin, you need space, you need margin. Jesus was the absolute best at creating margin for ministry. I mean, he had to be the busiest guy we've ever known. He's got three and a half years to tell his story, to to get people to follow him, and to flip the whole world upside down. And yet he's got all of this margin to be able to go to weddings and to be able to go to funerals and to be able to be there and have meals with people. All throughout the gospel, you'll see these one day moments with Jesus. In fact, Luke chapter five, what we started reading a moment ago, started with, one day Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when you follow Jesus, you'll find these one day. One day Jesus sat at a well. One day Jesus went to a wedding. One day Jesus prayed for this person. One day Jesus got in a boat. One day Jesus healed this person. He had all of this margin for ministry. And this was incredible. If there's anything that Jesus is teaching us, the number one priority when it comes to sharing Christ with those around you is you need to create margin for ministry. Better yet, watch this. You need to create margin for miracles. You and I need to have margin in our schedule so that God could use us to be able to do miracles. Now, up until about four or five weeks ago, Margin is something that none of us had, right? Nobody had margin. We were getting off work and we were going here and we were doing that and we were so busy. Nobody had margin for ministry. And so if there's anything that you and I can, can look at once this has you know, passed by and we've returned to some type of normal, if there's anything that we could grab onto and say, hey, I wanna keep this. Once all this has passed, I wanna really keep this. It's I wanna keep the margin in my schedule. I wanna keep the margin in my life for miracles. I wanna keep the margin for ministry. About a year ago, this was a real focus of mine. I had you know, started looking at my schedule and reevaluating some things and, and moving some things around so that I could have margin for miracles. And it was funny because, you know, I, I, w- I would set this pocket of time to go to the gym and I didn't need the whole time at the gym, but I never knew who might come up to me and, and want to talk. I never knew if I'd have an opportunity to pray with somebody or to you know share the gospel with somebody. And I've met a lot of people because I had margin when, when I would go to lunch meetings. I would, I would block off a certain amount of time that I didn't need that much time to have lunch with somebody, but I never knew you know, what they were going to be dealing with. I never knew if I might have the opportunity to share the gospel with the waiter or the waitress. And so it was just my way of creating this margin for ministry and this margin for miracles. And I actually had pastor friends all the time who would come and critique it and say, hey, listen, you know, I could do three meetings in the time you're doing one and you should adjust this and you should adjust that. And I would just say, listen, this is, this is the way I've got it for a reason because I want that margin for a miracle. I want that margin for ministry. And, and right off the bat, I think the very first thing that you and I have to learn is that if we're going to share the gospel, we have to be prepared to share our calendar. I just think that's important. 
Again, we get so focused in the technique, you know, well, what do I say? And what if, you know, what if they ask me this or what if they say that? Listen, before you even get concerned about technique, start with the time. Because before you can ever share somebody the gospel, you're going to have to share your calendar. The best way to show somebody you love them is to give them your time. So we start, number one, we commit our time. Number two is this, we commit to meet their need. So number one, we commit our time to them. Number two, we commit to meet their need. So Luke chapter five, verse 20, it says this, when, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he then said to the paralyzed man, friend, your sins are forgiven. So when he saw what they did, he forgave his sins. See what I mean? So he saw what they did and he forgave his sins. Jesus always has a way of using our hard work to soften the hearts of other people. And God will use our mission to meet somebody's need. He'll use that to be able to turn the heart of someone so that they will seek after Christ. Let's look at it like this. From now on, when we sit forward to share the gospel with somebody, listen to this. Let's set out to serve before we set out to save, right? Let's set out to serve before we set out to save. I hear people say all the time, like, I want to see my neighbor get saved or I want to see my friend get saved. Before you set out to save somebody, set out to serve them. Find something you can do to be able to meet their needs. Because listen, when our mission is to meet their needs, there will always be an opportunity to share our story. When you set out as your mission to meet somebody's need, there will always show up this opportunity for you to share your story. It's amazing. You know, the other day, we, you know, we're quarantined and the teachers are sending stuff home for VEDA to, to do schoolwork. I'm sure a lot of you guys are facing that. And it's really interesting because you're kind of getting this whole new concept of what it was like to be in school again. And so we're sitting down and Veda's got some math projects to do, some math work to do. And that was my strength. And so Darla's like, hey, you know, go help her with her math. And so I sit down and we start going through the math problems. And the interesting thing is that now they, they ha- they're teaching math completely different. Like the way they're doing, I don't know why. I love that scene in Incredible, like, why do you change math? Why change math? Keep it the same. But there's this whole new way of arriving to the answer. You like, subtract this, move this over here, add that. It's completely crazy. And so I'm sitting down trying to help Veda with her math homework. And the way I do it, the way I was taught to do it, you know, when I was in school is seems a lot easier. And so I start doing it in my head and I'm giving her the answers. And so I just say, you know what, babe, tell Darla, I said, I'm just going to show her how to do it my way. Because ultimately all she has to do is get the right answer. So I'd much rather her know how to do it my way because it seems easier. So I'll teach her my way. She'll get the right answer and she'll be good. And so I start the process and Darla comes and goes, no, no, you can't do that, babe. And I said, well, why not? And she said, because they ask her to show her work, right? So, so not only does she need the answer, but she's going to have to be able to show how she got there. Listen, so many of us want to get to the answer of salvation, right? I, I want somebody to get saved. I want my neighbor to get saved. We just want the answer. We just want the finished product. We, we, we want the conclusion of salvation. We don't really care too much about the course. We just want the conclusion of salvation. But listen to me, if the equation is salvation, then showing your work is serving, right? You get that? 
If, if the equation is salvation, then the process of you serving them is how you show your work. It's, it's the course to get to the conclusion. Look at it like this. You will always be able to walk your story louder than you'll be able to talk your story. You'll always be able to walk your story louder than you can talk your story. In other words, when you set out to serve somebody, when you set out to meet their needs, when you set out to be there for them, and then you make salvation something, it is the ending goal. But the work that you're putting in, you're serving them, you're helping meet their needs, you're being there for them, you're loving them like Christ. And then when they are ready to receive Christ, it's so easy. I had the opportunity recently to lead a friend of mine to the Lord. And I was just being his friend, there for him, helping him in any way. And it was so easy when it came time to share with him about Christ because he was hungry for it. And when you and I make serving our mission, there will always be an opportunity to share our story. I I love the way that Chris Hodges says it. He says it like this. He says, when somebody is drowning, they don't care what the Greek word for life preserver is. They just want you to throw them one. They don't care what the technique is. They don't care what the language is. Listen, when you are giving somebody your time and when you are serving and meeting somebody's need, they don't care if you can articulate the gospel well. They don't care if you know the Hebrew backing and the Greek breakdown. They just want to hear your story because you've been there for them. You've put in the work. You've served them. You've given them your time. You've loved them. And so then you've opened up an opportunity for you to share your story. There's a particular verse that I've always gone back to whenever it comes to sharing the gospel with anybody. I want to share it with you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, and it says it like this. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. It's not important who does the watering. It's not important who does the planting. What's important is that it's God who makes the seed grow. When I first read that, the way I read that was this, that there are a lot of parties included in an individual coming to know Christ. So you take John Doe, who's going to one day have the opportunity to receive Christ as his savior. He's had a lot of different parties involved in that process. There was somebody who planted the seed. You know, maybe he was taken to VBS as a child, or maybe he was in church as a child, or maybe he had a friend in school that was a Christian, or maybe he had a coworker that was a Christian, and those were the moments where the seed was planted. But then there will be a person or multiple people throughout his life that will be there to water the seed. And so maybe the seed was planted in third grade, and maybe he had a Christian friend in high school that watered the seed. Maybe then he had a coworker who was a Christian that watered the seed. And so what the scripture I saw saying is all of these parts are important, but what really matters is that it's God that makes the seed grow. So listen, when you're serving somebody, that may just be you planting the seed. Somebody in a whole other state one day may water it. You may never see that person actually receive Christ as their savior, but you may be planting the seed. When you give somebody that time, when you serve them, when you meet that need, you may not actually be a part of the moment where they receive Christ. They may never come to our church. You may never see that exchange, but you were the one that planted the seed or you were the one that watered it. And at the end, it doesn't matter if they come to our church and it doesn't matter if you get to physically see them receive Christ. All that matters is that you were obedient in giving them your time 
and you were obedient in meeting their need. You were obedient in planting the seed. You were obedient in watering the seed. And at some point, God is responsible for making that seed grow. A lot of people know that Darla and I, uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, we were youth pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee. And we've got some phenomenal stories. And we saw some of the coolest teenagers throughout our times as youth pastoring. But one kid that I'll never forget was a kid by the name of Daniel Zhu. And Daniel came in to our church one night and he was so on fire for God, gave his heart to Jesus. And he just started bringing everybody to church. He probably at one point was was able to lead 30, maybe 40 of his friends to Jesus. It was just a phenomenal thing. Something crazy happens when you meet somebody who's just on fire for Jesus. But I'll never forget, he had this one particular friend that would come and he would come because all of his friends were there and it was a fun environment. But he would always tell us, he would let us know he was an atheist. He would let us know that, you know, he didn't have any interest in pursuing Jesus or having a relationship with Jesus, but that he was coming because his friends were there and because it was fun. And and we respected that. He was a super awesome guy, super nice guy, very respectful. And so we just always, you know, we, we would love on him and we would we would never shy away from sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel. But he just never, there was never a moment where you know, where he received Christ. I remember praying for him multiple times. I remember praying over his senior year and different things like that, but he never, there was never a moment where I saw him receive Jesus. And so then just a few weeks ago, now that was again, eight or nine years ago. And so just a few weeks ago, I was uh, sending some text messages back and forth with a family that lives in Memphis, whose son that I discipled and just checking in on him and checking in on them. And through our conversation, the mother starts to tell me about a story where a couple weeks ago, she was the greeter. She, her and her family still attend the church that we were youth pastors at. And so she's greeting at the door, opening the door, and in comes this young man. And she didn't recognize him, so she starts to communicate with him as if it's his first time there. And he says, oh, hey, it's, you know, it's not my first time here. I, I used to come here a lot uh, to the youth group years ago, and, I, and I've been coming here recently. And she knows me, and, and when he said she, that he was in the youth group a few years ago, she just kind of threw it out there. She just said, well, hey, do you know, do you know who Pastor Troy is? And she sent me this text because she wanted to tell me this next line, that he looked at her in the eyes and he said, he's the reason I'm here today. And that, that was just a phenomenal moment for me. Like, I couldn't wait to show Darla this text and how, I mean, I was completely moved because eight or nine years ago, I never saw him give his heart to Jesus. Like I I did all I could to provide my time for him. I did all I could to meet whatever need he might have in that season. But we moved here to Smyrna to plant Victory Church. And as far as I knew, he had not received Jesus. But yet eight or nine years later, he's walking into the church and out of his mouth, he says, Troy's the reason I'm here. And that was just so powerful for me. And again, it's an opportunity that you have to experience that, that you may give somebody your time or you may help meet their need and you may never see them actually receive Christ, but you planted the seed and you watered the seed and God's going to make it grow. I remember when I was just kind of early as a Christian, there was this song that came out and it was called, thank you for giving to the Lord. And, and the whole concept was this guy had a dream and he went to heaven and Jesus is taking him around. And all these people are coming up to him and they're thanking him for doing this and for doing that. And he's saying, hey, I don't even really remember you. And the whole concept is because you did this and because you did that, I'm here in heaven. And they were thanking him. 
And it just excites me and it motivates me and I hope it excites and motivates you to how many people has Christ placed around you so that you can plant a seed? How many people has Christ placed around you so that you can water the seed? So that one day when you're walking through heaven and Jesus is showing you this and he's showing you that, all these individuals are going to run up to you and they're going to say, hey, I want to thank you. And you're going to go, I don't even really recognize you. And they'll say, but because you did this and because you did that, I'm in heaven for eternity. It's incredible. What an opportunity. So if we're going to share the gospel with those around us, it starts, number one, with us committing our time. Number two, committing to meet people's needs. And then number three, committing to tell people what Jesus has done in our life. Once we've set aside time for people, once we've set out to serve people, then it's time for us to tell them what Jesus has done in our life. Check this out in Luke chapter 5. Just verses 24 through 26. It says, So he said to the paralyzed man, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them. So the paralyzed man stands up. He took what he had been lying on, his mat, and he went home praising God. And then watch this. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They, everyone, They were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. All of these people give praise to God because they see this interaction between this man and Jesus. They're seeing his story, what happened with him and Jesus, and it's impacting their lives. Listen, the best language for for sharing the gospel is your story. It's your testimony. People will be changed because of the story between you and Jesus. What has Jesus done in your life? I don't know how many of you have actually ever sat down before and just put that to paper. You know, where were you before Jesus and where are you now? That's your story. That's that's the best testimony. That's the best sharing of the gospel that you'll ever have is, hey, let me tell you something. This is who I was before Jesus. This is who I am now. And it's all because of Christ. Once you commit somebody your time, once you commit to serve them, the last thing is just be prepared to tell them what Jesus has done in your life. One of the things I want to challenge you to do before we close up this morning is take this week and maybe grab a notebook, grab your journal, And just pin down a paragraph of just where were you before Jesus and where are you now? What are are all of the great things Christ has done in your life? And just put that down so that you can be able to share that with somebody. You know, one of the things that Jesus said to his disciples when he started telling them about sharing their their story and the gospel with people, he said, you used to be fishermen. Now, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And this week when I was praying over this message, that verse just kept coming in my head that we are, you are, we are fishers of men and women. That's sharing the gospel. And so it had me start thinking about a few things that I could remember back in my days when I had went fishing one time. And so I got a buddy named Chase that's a big fisherman. And so I called him up and I said, hey man, do you have like a tackle box with a bunch of bait and tackle? And he said, yeah. And I said, hey, I got to ask you some questions about it. Can I, can I come over? And so I went over and we met about it and he gave me the box of tackle. And so you can see he's got all kinds of just crazy different things. You can 
I'm probably going to end up sticking myself, but you can see he has this and he's got that. And, and so he's just started showing me all of these different baits and, and tackles. And so I said to him, I said, hey, is it true that there are different baits for different fish? Like, isn't that the case? Like, like, don't you have certain baits for certain fish? And he said, yeah. And so he started showing me a few things and he showed me, if I can grab it. He showed me this and he said that this was, was bait and tackle for crappie. He said, that's what, you can see a little hook right there. He said that if you would use this, you could catch crappie. He, he showed me these things. And look at that right there, right? Isn't it? And, and he said that this was bait and tackle for um, largemouth bass. So, so that was for, for crappie and that you would use these for large mass, largemouth bass. And then I think it was maybe this he was showing me. Look at that. Was for trout. And so again, we're just sitting there and he's showing me all these different, I mean, there's just all kinds of different things in here. Have I showed you that yet? Look at, look at that. So there's all this different bait and tackle because there's, it's all for different fish. And so any of you that, that fish, you know, out there, there, there's bass and there's trout and there's crappie and catfish and, and all these different kinds of fish. So you need all this different kinds of bait and tackle. And so this week I'm just praying, I was praying for you, I was praying for myself on how we can be better at sharing the gospel and, and, and started processing through, you know, is it possible if, if there's different bait out there for different fish and Christ, you're saying that we're fishers of men, is it possible that we need different bait for the people that we're going after? And, and here's what I felt like God was telling me, and I'm going to share it with you. And I really hope it blesses you this morning. You know, a lot of you are looking at your story and your past and what you've been through. And you're starting to kind of wonder why your story is the way that it is. And then I just felt the Spirit of God tell me this, that there's so many different fish out there, right? So many different men, and women, youth and kids that need to know Christ. And, and so many different stories out there. You've got some people that, you know, their story is they were raised with both parents and some people were raised with no parents. You've got some people that they were raised completely confident in their sexuality and some people that were confused by it. You've got people that have faced things at the age of 12 and 13 that none of us should have ever faced by that age. You've got people that saw divorce, that saw abuse. You've got all these different stories out there. You've got all these different fish. And with different fish, it takes different bait. And so what I love about the Spirit of God and what I love about the presence of Christ is that he takes what we've been through and he redeems it. And he uses your story because there's different fish out there. And with different fish, you need different bait. And so you've been through some stuff and you've always kind of wondered like, God, why did I go through that? And he didn't make you go through it, but he says, I'll redeem it. I'll use it because there'll be somebody out there that's gone through the same thing or going through the same thing. And I'll use that story to be able to share the gospel. I just wanted to encourage you with something and a thought this morning. That is that God has strategically put the people around you that he's put around you. And the reason why your circle of influence, the reason why your inner circle is who it is, 
is because they can relate to your story. That God gave that to you to use as bait. Because you, my friend, are a fisher of men. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this week to ask yourself this right here. Who in your life right now do you have the opportunity to share the gospel with? Who can you set aside some time for? Who can you reach out to and serve? Who can you get ready to share your story with? Write that down. Figure that out so that you can share with them. Hey, this is what Jesus means to my life. More than ever, God is calling us to go and tell our story so that everyone can be amazed. I challenge you. Jesus has redeemed what you've been through. And now he wants to use it so that those in your life can come to know Christ as their Savior. Secondly, I want to talk to those of you just for a moment that you're still kind of in the middle of your story. I mean, there are people watching and and they're able to talk about their testimony, right? Like, man, this is who I was before Jesus and this is who I am now after Jesus. And you're sitting here watching it and you're saying, well, I'm still who I was before Jesus. I I don't have that that after Jesus moment because your story starts today. And I love that Jesus has been able to use my life to possibly impact yours. And there are people all throughout our church and there are people watching right now who have lived your story and Jesus has redeemed it. And in the same way, he wants to redeem your story. And all you've got to do, according to scripture, all you've got to do is come and with your heart and with your mouth and just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I don't know how I've ended up where I am, but I need you. Take over my life. And when you say those things, Christ comes in and he redeems your story. And there'll be a day where somebody who's going through what you're going through right now will be able to be set free because you will be telling them, this is who I was before Jesus. And this is who I am now. That's you. You'd say, man, I'd I'd love to receive Christ as my savior. I'd love to be able to talk a little bit more about that. We want to encourage you. Text VICTORY18 to the number right now that's on the screen. And that's going to send you a form directly to your phone. You're going to be able to fill out some stuff and kind of share with us where you're at. And one of us, myself, one of our leaders will be able to contact with you and just follow up with you and, and help you in this journey. Be able to say, hey, this is who you were before Jesus. But let's talk about where you're going now that you have Christ as your Savior. I'm so fired up. I've never been more fired up about this concept that Christ has given us all a story because there's so many fish out there and they need different bait. And your story is what somebody that's in your circle needs. And my story is what somebody in my circle needs. And now more than ever, we cannot be quiet. We have to share our stories so that we can share the gospel and that people's stories can be redeemed like ours was. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you right now. I thank you that not only have you saved us from our past, but you've redeemed our future. I thank you that you can take my story, God. You know, just things that I thought were purposeless, the the, the challenges that I faced, the, the hard times that I went through, 
God, you brought me through those things. And now you're able to use those things and I can share them with people and it'll reach exactly where those people are and they'll turn their hearts towards you. And not only will they be saved from their past, but their future will be redeemed. And I pray for every person that's listening, for any person that was listening today that's never received you as their savior, I pray you'd move on their heart. I pray they'd text that number. I pray they'd get that form. I pray they'd fill it out. And I pray that we'd be able to walk with them and help disciple them through their relationship with Jesus. Second, Lord, I pray for everybody who's watching who already has a relationship with you. And Lord, you're moving on their heart right now and you're telling them that you have made them fishermen. You've taught them how to fish. Number one, they just need to set aside their time. Number two, they need to be ready to serve. And then number three, they need to be ready to share what you have done in their life because you have surrounded them with people that desire their story, desire their bait. Father, thank you right now for the gospel. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And thank you, Lord, for using us so that other people can come to know you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.